Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan. Welcome back to the show. We are going to take a look today at navigating commercial real estate markets in shifting times here. With us today is Kevin Swill, and he is the CEO of 30 Capital Financial, a commercial real estate debt advisory firm and pioneer in the defense space. Swill is an accomplished executive with experience in acquisitions, disposition, financing, capital raising, assets in property management, and strategic planning. So, Kevin, tell us about a memorable experience from your formative years. Thank you, Alan. It's great to be here, by the way. So, if I was to look back at my formidable years, which is 30 years in the industry, I would say that I would have to take a little bit from each and every one of the positions that I've had, because as you look at real estate as an industry, there is the lending component. There is the ownership or sponsorship component. There is the debt component. There is the equity raising component. There is the property management component. And then there is the entire finance slash technology component. And I think that all through my 30 years, I've been able to learn different aspects of commercial real estate and been able to utilize every one of those past experiences in what I do today and the way I invest myself and how I advise others. Well, wonderful. And I'm so glad you're with us today because there are things we need to take apart. And certainly, you're not the only one to bring us, to bring to our attention that we are potentially in some shifting times. And of course, shifts always come with uncertainty. So what do you see from all of your experience in the various different aspects of real estate that you have been in? What do you see our markets doing and what do you expect to see for really the next year throughout 2023? Well, currently we're seeing an inflation, which is at a 40-year high. But also keep in mind that the interest rates are not at the 200s level. It's now at about six and a half percent. So I believe that, you know, we're really near the 20% that we had in 1980, not even close. Right. But then again, you know, we're in, we're clearly in uncharted waters. It doesn't mean that prices are coming down. And quite frankly, we're not seeing a, an inflation as high or as quickly as it was rising in the last few months. I do see a mild slowdown in the inflation, but unfortunately, rates are still going up. Not as quickly as they were, but they're still going up. And we expect inflation to continue at historical highs and the Fed continues to increase. But now, you know, on a short-term borrowing rates into the new year in an effort to combat inflation. So I'm looking at this and thinking that, yes, they're going to increase another 50 basis points in December and possibly another 50 basis points the following quarter. And then I think that we will not see any more increases in the Fed. And really what it means for the commercial real estate investors, and let's use multifamily owners as an example, 
You took out a loan and acquire a multifamily property at a fixed rate. It's still a smart move to go to that long-term fixed rate. However, there are other factors that we have to take into consideration in today's environment, and that is the supply and the demand and the demographic shifts that have taken place pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and post-pandemic. We need to look at local markets. You know, how have they changed? You might have been in a small town in the Southeast and everything was fine. And now all of a sudden there are companies coming from the Northeast that are just popping up in your neighborhood. So we need to take a look at that and understand the cap rates, the capitalization rates in those towns and incomparable asset types that you might be interested in buying. So that's important. Look at the recent sales. And then the last, but most important to me is the current financing structure, you know, interest rates. You know, the hike has been there. It's a greater impact on shorter term loans than the, than the longer term loans, as may be the same case with the variable rate financing. But you also want to keep your eye on the 10 year treasury because it helps determine the mortgage rates. The yield is, is also viewed as a sign of investor sentiment about the economy. So rising yields may reflect higher levels of expected inflation in the long term, whereas falling yields will indicate lower inflation along with the possibility of a slowdown or a recession. So my opinion is that we will face some sort of a recession in 2023. I don't feel it'll be a significant one. I believe that that the Fed raising their rates, trying to get some of that economy moving, has gone a little bit too quickly, in my opinion. But I do feel that by the end of the first quarter, uh, those rates will stabilize. And we just hopefully see some of it coming down a little bit. I think, I mean, that's what I've been hearing from other investors is that uh, they are anticipating recession, but not, not a horrible recession, really more just, uh, just a market adjustment, which is, of course, inevitable. They're always going to adjust one way or the other. Well, what are the challenges that you see with the, the labor and the, the sofa and how are you managing uh, these indicators? Interestingly, you ask that, Howard, because right now, you know, LIBOR and the and and that being sunsetted is a once in a lifetime, once in a generation thing that we're going to see. I don't think anyone in the industry has ever seen something like this before. So, the transition from LIBOR to SOFR, in my opinion, the most important challenge is education. And then after education will be execution. Because there are many borrowers that really struggle to understand what's happening and why it's happening. So the main goal really is to inform and educate any borrower or sponsor that may have a LIBOR-based loan. As of December of 2021, there weren't any new loans done for the most part on floating rate with LIBOR. They had already started to use some of the alternatives, which seems to be that SOFR is winning out. But there are different types of, of SOFR. There's a 30-day SOFR. There is an overnight SOFR. There's a term SOFR. So there, there's a couple of them. And that's why it's become very complicated and very difficult for borrowers to understand what's happening with the transition. Come June 30th, 2023, LIBOR will go away permanently. So if a sponsor or a company has LIBOR-based loans on their books, we advise to and start 
the discussions with your lender or your servicer and to start doing the transition over to silver. It's important right now, silver and LIBOR are not that many basis points apart. However, sulfur is a little bit higher than LIBOR, but it is probably better to get that out of the way because there are going to be millions, if not billions, that are going to have to convert to sulfur at the end of June. So it's better to get a head start on that. But again, it really comes down to education. And that's something that I profess and I speak to and speak about all the time with this transition. Why are they sunsetting the light bar? That's a question that uh, I really, I'm not an expert to understand other than the fact that, you know, that was the London interchange. Now they want to do a standard. So there are many different reasons, I believe. Uh, I was not part of the legislation, nor do, do I have the, the bandwidth to really understand the intricacies as to why that, that, that happened. What I can say is that there still may be more legislation coming. It's really an unknown. It's uncharted waters. Um, this LIBOR to SOFR. But I think that what's going to happen is. You know, there's going to be that cessation of LIBOR on July uh, 1st of 2023. And uh, I know like in New York, for example, they just passed legislation as it relates to it. So there are certain things that we're going to have to learn as we go. There are some things that are not ironed out in stone yet. And so it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting transition. And I think everyone in the industry is really trying to understand it. There are lenders, for example, that have fallback language in their LIBOR-based loans that speak to what's going to happen on July 1st. There are other lenders that are silent to it, which you know could be pretty scary for a borrower. And that mm-hmm. is why we try to educate the borrowers now. And then there's also fallback language in loan documents that are not pretty much applicable to what is going on because it is an ever-changing position. So so is this um, an international sunsetting or is this just in the U.S.? It's global. It's global, okay. So, the, so is this just something that's going to affect variable rate loans or is it's going to, it's not going to affect? Fixed rate. Fixed rate, right? Okay. Yeah, this is really for sponsors that have for example, construction loans mm-hmm. that have that they're acquiring value add assets, bridge loans. Most of those have been historically LIBOR based. Some of the smaller regional banks or insurance, they may go by prime if they're small borrowers in small towns. But for the most part, commercial real estate, anything that's floating is based off of the LIBOR. But again, in this past year of 2022, any of those new deals were for the most part all done in sulfur. So who, uh, I mean, it was the, the London interchange that was setting uh, the LIBOR and it could have variations. I mean, never really a whole lot of points all at one time, but it did vary. But who is actually setting the sulfur? Well, it, it's it's an index that, that changes, you know, every single day. It's the secured overnight financing rate. So it's, you know, it's just a measure of the cost of borrowing cash overnight that's collateralized by treasury securities. So, you know, it's, it, it moves up and down based on 
what's going on in the market. And it's been very volatile. I must say, it's been very volatile. Well, that is uh, that is interesting. Do you have any idea what uh, portion of, of sponsors have taken out bridge loans? Is that a significant portion of the commercial real estate market? I would I would say it's in the hundreds of billions. Uh-huh. Um, merely because, let's use New York City as an example. In New York City, for the last three years or so, even more, you've had these skyscrapers being built, you know, these very uh-huh. large 90-floor uh, condominiums. That's all based on, on, on construction loans, uh-huh. which is floating rate-based. It's variable. And the way that the premise behind that is, is that if you have some work that you want to do at a property and it's a value add, you want to take a bridge loan because the whole idea is to do your work, the capital improvements. And once the capital improvements are, are complete, you're able to raise rents. You're able to get better leases, whatever it may be based on the asset class. And once you have that, your NOI is going up, which is your net operating income. And when you take your net operating income, and you divide it by a capitalization rate that's comparable for that asset type in that location, you may have and you should have a higher valuation of your property. And then you go back to the bank or the institution, and now you have a higher valuation. And with that higher valuation, you might have the same loan-to-value constraint or debt service coverage constraint, but now you're getting more proceeds. And you're also fixing your rate for a long-term period. So now you have the level of comfort to sleep at night that your construction is done. You've now leased up your asset. And now you know what your mortgage rate will be for the next 10 years. So I would tell you that they're in the hundreds of billions of floating rate loans out there. Well, from my understanding, one of the major contributors to 2008 was actually the the LIBOR and a significant, a more significant change, a radical change at one particular point there that seemed to set off the 2008 recession. So this will be disconcerting <laughs> given that the SOFR seems to be more volatile than even the LIBOR. I wouldn't say that just SOFR is volatile. I think that the the index, whether it was LIBOR or is is SOFR has been really up and down every day. You know, it could be a, a 20 point, you know, variation going up and down throughout the day. But I don't foresee it being a a big issue going forward because more mechanisms, I can say it that way, uh, have been put into place. For example, if you were to do a floating rate loan today with one of the large institutions, there's probably a 95 to 99% probability that the lender is going to demand that you get an interest rate cap. They're going to want a protection in case interest rates continue to rise. And that's, that's some of the precautions that you know, the institutions are taking to protect that upside. Whereas I believe Back in 2008, very few of those protections on the increase were there. I think that the offer was there, and it was up to the sponsor to decide if they wanted to do that. But now it's become more of a uh, a requirement. 
partner of the sponsor. And as I speak to that, if I go back to January of 2022, you might have a $10 million notional amount and you're looking for a cap that's for two years. It might have cost you 20000 25000 for that interest rate cap. You asked me to do that same one in May or June, it might be close to 300000 Wow. And that is what was discerning because a lot of these players that really didn't have to spend that much money to buy an interest rate cap, all of a sudden, now it is 10 times, if not 20 mm -hmm. times the price. And we have seen, though, over the last two months, I think, in September and October, we have seen the cost of an interest rate cap come down a little bit. Nothing. Not to the levels. It's come down probably about 10 to 15% from its high in the second quarter of 2022. But it's, it's yeah. you know, one of those things that you need to do. And it's really a protection mm -hmm. for both the lender as well as the borrower. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's getting up there. For sure. Uh, so that's certainly going to affect acquisitions as well as sales. And it has. Yeah. And it has indeed. Yeah. It has affected it in many different ways. It has, uh, unfortunately, we have seen firsthand where it's actually killing a deal, uh, where the deals are just not uh, getting done. We also have to look at even on the fixed rate, some deals are not getting done because of the interest rate environment. You know, the bid and the ask are still so far apart. And as a result of that, you might have these contracts for a sale and, you know, the, the, the buyer is coming back and renegotiating because of the rates. It, it's right. limiting the amount of money that they can borrow. And, you know, when you look at the floating rate side of, of, of the business, you have the issue of these interest rate caps. You know, some of the larger, more stable companies are just biting their lip and paying the price and, and doing that. But some of them have, who have done that in May and now looking back, and we're only in October, they realize that, you know, they could have gotten it for 15% less if they waited. But, you know, that's the unknown that we live with in real yeah. estate. Absolutely. Well, looking at all of that, what are the latest hedging techniques that uh, that we should consider and why? I mean, the most common is, you know, the interest rate swaps and the interest rate caps. You know, swaps are agreements that fix the rate on variable rate debt, while the caps set a predefined maximum on the variable rate debt. Very good. Then the third one is swaptions, but that's, you know, that's becoming more common for hedging and its anticipated issuance with fixed rate debt. So you really have the three, but as a rule, long-term put options with a very low strike price, it usually provides the best hedging value. It's because their cost for the market, it's really based on the, the day, the hour to hour on the market, which can be very low. Although they initially are expensive, they are useful for long-term investments. And that would be the, the long-term put option with a low strike price. But again, we recommend all the time that if you're doing a floating rate, variable rate loan of significance, that you put an interest rate cap in place or a swap in place. It's important because it gives you the, the, the luxury to sleep at night. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking a lot of sleepless nights without 
without some uh, way to hedge that. Well, Kevin, uh, tell us what it is that uh, your company particularly offers and how it is we can uh, take advantage of that. Sure. So our company is 30 Capital. And within 30 Capital, we have a family of companies. I'm the CEO of 30 Capital Financial, and we take care of all the financial services for clients. What that means is we do defeasance, and many of the people in the industry have heard of us as defease with ease. That's our company. We also have a complete trading floor, which offers clients the opportunity to purchase interest rate caps and all the different types of caps that go with that, maybe springing interest rate caps. We also do swaps. We do swap terminations and swaptions. So anything related to that, and we're very creative, which differentiates us from any of our competitors out there, is that our number one is education. Our number two is execution. So we will find both of those before you actually give the approval to execute. On the other side of the house, we have something called Lobby CRE, which is an asset uh, management platform as well as a, a portfolio management platform. And what that enables the, the management of the company to do is it allows us to plug directly into their operating systems. And at any point, an owner can just go onto the computer, sign in, look at a dashboard, and in real time, can do a, a cash flow analysis of their entire portfolio in real time, not waiting for each property manager to send up their Excel sheet. But this is all live. And we can be from 30,000 feet for your portfolio all the way down to one particular asset. Bam. And then within that lobby platform, we have something called Entity Keeper. And Entity Keeper is really the legal compliance. So you can put all of your partnership loan documents in there. You can put your lender loan documents in there. And then you can create your own organizational charts. You'll have the percentages of each owner. All of that is there. And what's really good is that we do the corporate services from there. So every year, if you're a commercial real estate owner, you need to get a registered agent. Sometimes you need an update on UCCs. All you have to do is to go into our portal, click on the property that you need it for, and in a few days, it's uploaded into the portal. So you no longer have to rely on your attorneys who charge by the hour as opposed to paying maybe $65 and getting all of the work done and it's all seamless. Thirdly, we have a, uh, a property benchmarking company, P and PCG. And what that does is it's going to afford brokers and lenders, as well as servicers and even borrowers to give benchmarks as to where their property is compared to all the other assets in the area, the submarket, the, you know, the, the metro area, as well as the country and the state. So we're able to now offer that. Uh, for all clients. And we also do a debt management as part of that. And that allows us to show you the forward curve and allows you, the client, to actually put in your own assumptions. And with those assumptions, you can come out and have an understanding of whether or not you should refinance, hold, or you're having a problem. And last but not least, we have an academy. It goes back to full circle about education. We felt that there was a need for some of these young students that graduate that want to get into the business and they get the job and they really have to have on the, on the job training. What we offer is eight week courses where they spend an hour listening to a podcast like this 
they have about an hour or two worth of homework. And then they come to a live class once a week where we actually have a facilitator and we actually have an expert in the industry, whether they're the CEO of a Fortune 100 company or they are underwriting or they're from a rating agency. And they have a one hour opportunity to really have discussions with these experts. And then from there, we have alumni classes and alumni associations with each class that graduates. And now in 2023, we're making different pods. We're making them for people that want to learn how to do a waterfall. So all of that stuff all falls under the 30 capital umbrella. And we want to make sure that everyone looks to us for premier white glove service in anything that they can do or need with their assets. Wow. What an array of offerings that you have there. How did you come up with the name 30 Capital? I didn't come up with the name 30 Capital, but an interesting story is, you know, 30 Capital is 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 a name of our a parent company and its founder, Rob Finlay, came up with that name. But I do find what's interesting as we move into 2023, our, our company Lobby, which is our platform, the way that was created was, if you think about walking into a building and you're in the lobby, you could open up any different door, and each door is a, either a product or a service or some other fashion in which we can help you all through one engine. And that is something that we are bringing to the table that I don't think anyone else in this country has. And it's live, and we have, I think it's close to fifteen or 16,000 units inside of the lobby already, and that grows every single day. Well, very impressive. Thank you, Kevin. Wonderful conversation. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and expertise. Enlightened investors, I look forward to being with you next time. Thank you for having me, Alan. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com.